one. And welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Holly. And I'm Liz. All right. We are back. Um, so, Liz, exciting life news before we get into the bookish stuff. We are on the final countdown to a big day for you. So, how many weeks out? Uh, yesterday, it was three weeks until my wedding day. So, <laughs> yeah, it's coming up very, very quickly. And this is the last podcast that we're doing as a, as a well, as a Miz, because I've been married before. But, uh, <laughs> last, yeah, last one before I'm married. So, oh, it's so crazy. exciting. And I know you have your dress. Your just, dress just yeah. arrived. Rings are in route. Um, somewhere over the skies of Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're in Germany right now, so hopefully we've got three weeks for it to arrive in England, so um, fingers crossed they'll get here in time. Uh, yeah, everything's coming together nicely, uh, venues all sorted, and we're just waiting to kind of confirm the final numbers for the meal. Uh, so yeah, no, it's been a pretty busy day, and obviously, and then my my fiancé decides to go and break his arm, but... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he wanted some bling of his own for the wedding. <laughs> A little bit of spanner in the works, uh, so I'm having to pretty much do everything because um, you can't really do much with one arm. No, I <laughs> guess cooking, washing up. Yeah. So, ah, poor guy. Fine. Get yeah. him some better snow boots because isn't that what happened? Didn't he like fall with ice? Was that what it was? He fell down the stairs. Oh. <laughs> oh well, okay. Snow boots, snow boots wouldn't help the stairs. <laughs> I, I'm trying to help Kyle out here. I'm trying to like give him an excuse for why he fell. <laughs> Oh, well, that's pretty cool. So I, we can't wait um, to hear on our next episodes just kind of like the recap of the big wedding day. So <laughs> exciting news. Um, I don't have anything exciting going on in my life. Um, I did go to um, the Mesa Book Crawl last weekend. That looked so good. It was super fun. I'd never been before. Like, um, the first book festival I went to was the one in April down in Tucson. And then this one popped up um, in Mesa, which is just on the other side of Phoenix from us. So it was a little bit closer. But it was really kind of cool. It was a little bit more low-key. We all, like, you go and you get, like, this little booklet, pamphlet kind of thing that acts as a passport. Mm-hmm. And then in the downtown street area, the main street, there's all the little boutiques and little cafes and shops. And they have all these authors who are kind of scattered throughout main street, either inside or right outside all the different shops and cafes. And you go and you talk and you get stamps in your passport and, um, you get to meet everybody, kids, authors, Mm -hmm. nonfiction. Uh, Like it was really cool just to talk to people and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, tell me about your books. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was super fun. And at the end, like at the very last stop, you turn in your, um, your passport and the count out, count up how many stamps and, then it enters you for drawing. I never win anything, so I didn't win anything. But I, I, I bought some books, so... You did. I know. It was, good, it was good to see that you're actually treating yourself to books these days. Yeah. So and I, was yeah, I'm kind of on a book a book buying ban right now. Um, my <laughs> children are a little expensive this time of year. My 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 17-year-old, who just, he just turned 17 last week, decided he wanted to go to prom, so prom tickets in 2023 oh. are really expensive. 
Then we have to get him a suit. Plus, my daughter has dance competitions and recital coming up, which, by the way, if you are a parent or you're going to be a parent and your daughter wants to dance, think very, very seriously about it because it is one of the most expensive hobbies a kid can pick up. So, yeah. And, and, and of course... And one that you get, like, money prizes right now. <laughs> no! She, she has a beautiful wall full of, like, medals and trophies and plaques, so great but you know the 250 dollars i spend i could probably make about 15 to 20 plaques for like the two or three or two yeah because i'm curious how much are prom tickets over there um well so they it depends on when you buy them because as it gets closer to prom the prices go up so right now when i bought my son's ticket for a single ticket, it was seventy dollars, um, and then for a couple, it was yeah, it was a hundred. So an individual was seventy, and a, and then two tickets for like a couple tickets was uh, a hundred. It was a hundred and fifteen. Okay, that's kind of going against all the single people. That's just a bit unfair. <laughs> well, what a lot of our kids will do, our kids know how to work the system. Like, like yeah, they'll they'll just, you know, yeah. like my son is going in a group of friends. So there it's a it's like I don't know if it's like I think it's like 12, 12 of them and so yeah. it's a mix of like, you know, boys and girls, but they Yeah. I honestly think that's better because now like for him, he's not going to be tied down to like one girl making yeah. sure she's having fun. All he can enjoy all of his friends and do kind of what he wants all to do. All the girls. Yeah, all the girls. I'm like, you can dance with a different girl every song. And, um, but like they're all meeting at one of the, one of the girls' houses beforehand. So they'll do all the group pictures. They're getting like the little party bus or whatever Aww. they do nowadays. I don't know. Um, and so he's, yeah, so he's super excited. But what they'll do is, I know, they'll, within the group, They'll be like, okay, let's go buy our tickets together so we can save some money. Yeah. So. Wait, but did you just give your son $70? So that means he's just made some profit. No, because I work at the school he goes to. <laughs> so I actually just went and bought the tickets. So he never, there was never any exchange. I actually still am in possession of the prom, the prom ticket. It is still currently oh. in my wallet. <laughs> that, that's like a good black magic technique uh, tactic yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Do your room, or you won't get this ticket. Exactly, <laughs> and then and I can't return it, so then you owe me seventy dollars. <laughs> yeah, so oh, yeah, so uh, that that is why. Yeah, that's just crazy. I know, but that's why I'm on a book buying ban right now, and and everything. And plus, he wants to play football in college. He's getting ready to go. You know, he's ending his his um, his junior year, so he, he, next year is his last year of high school before he graduates. Mm-hmm. So now is the time where we have to, you know, we're giving him, like, or we're sending him to a bunch of different like college camps, so he can okay. kind of like as part of like the recruitment process. Um, but every everything in our world is a money maker, so you know, there you have it. Kids are expensive. So under the camps cost money as well, then. Mm-hmm. So. So I will say that the what we have found is there are some big camps that are like really geared as just money makers for the companies, and mm-hmm. um, we've actually been recommended. So my son trains with Luis Zendejas, who's a former NFL kicker. Um, so yeah, and so we go through him to get like a lot of our advice because he works with a lot of kids and recruitments and stuff. Yeah. And um, 
and so, you know, he told us, he's like, you really, you really probably should stick with like the college camps. And so when we're researching the difference between like the college camps and like these like mega camps, um, the college camps are so much cheaper because it's just, it's this, the college, it's like, you know, here, here, like, so he is going to two, um, in June and like, it's, they're at the school, they're at the university, they're run by their football team and their coaches, and, you know, they, it's their, it's their way to bring you in and kind of recruit you and see what you can do, and so, yeah, but, yeah, so, it's, it's a busy, crazy time for, for, um, like, my teenagers. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, not only do you have your dance competitions to do the lifts for, now, I'm guessing your son can take himself to these campsites because now he's driving. He can. Um, yes, he is driving. He's, he's had his license now for about a year. But uh, these camps are like the two schools right now that are in-state that he's looking at and mm-hmm. he's going to do camps at. They're both two, two and a half hours away. Um, and and for at least one of them, we're going to need to spend the, we need to spend the night because the camp is like 8 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so we're not going to get, yeah. And so, yeah, so we do. And he's 17. So if something, like, either was to happen or yeah. if he gets some type of, like, offer or, you know, told to come back, like, if they ask him certain questions, he's going to be like, oh, where's mom? Where's dad? <laughs> so, so we're, we're still trying to train him on how, on how to how to answer questions and how to make choices. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so more than likely, my husband will will go with him to do. Like, yeah. I'm going with him. Like, we've already been on three college like academic visits, um, because he's he has a great GPA, so he'll get a lot of academic scholarships. So, I do the mm-hmm. academic side of everything. My husband takes care of the athletic side of everything. So combined, we're hoping to get this kid a full ride to a good school where he can get nice. a good education and play football. So Sounds like a plan. Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next year yeah. to what follow. <laughs> so you can see my son's progress from, from the beginning of everything to high school graduation um, <laughs> next year in May. So we're we're 13 months away from graduation. So, wow. Yeah, I know. That's kind Can't of nice. I know. All right. So <laughs> should we start talking about some books? Yeah, I suppose we should really. It's probably a good idea. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I mean, kicking off the, the bookish chat of the month, uh, we've got a few little bits of news that has, kept, has come up quite recently. One of them Holly has only just told me about. I didn't actually know about that, know this. But uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company, so as in one of the biggest theatrical companies in the UK, because it's Shakespeare, uh, they have adapted Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet and it's currently playing at the Swan Theatre in Stratford-upon-Avon um, until June. And then it will be going to London for uh, quite a, a long time um, until next year. So, I mean, that's a good sign that this book, we, we, I mean, I enjoyed it and Holly wasn't as sure about it. <laughs> but I read it. It wasn't horrible. I didn't mind it. I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> but this this is a sign that they believed it was good quality and I mean this company is renowned for 
putting on some of the biggest productions of mm-hmm. of Shakespeare plays. So because uh, the last one I actually saw in a Royal Shakespeare Company, I saw The Tempest when I was at college. I uh, love The Tempest. Is, That's one of my favorite plays. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, but to make it even better, uh, the main character was played by Patrick Stewart. Sir <gasps> Patrick Stewart, which was absolutely, it was fantastic. It was so good. Um, but this is normal for them. Royal Shakespeare Company attracts the biggest names. You have Ian McKellen, you have James McAvoy. Any big star has um, who has been Shakespearean trained or has been, um, been a theatre actor, you can bet that they will have been in a Royal Shakespeare Company play at some point. So the fact that they have picked up this book is just amazing. And the fact it's not Shakespeare, but it's almost a, a Shakespeare adaptation. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, I mean... Well done, Maggie. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because I um, I'm I'm looking at it right now on the Royal Shakespearean Company website, and it has the dates. You know, it's at the Swan um, Theater right now. It'll go to the Garrick Theater in London um, at the end of September, and it will be in the end. Of, it will be there from the end of September until January. But I clicked on the cast and creatives, and I was just looking at the cast of you know who's going to be in the play and I mean I I don't follow a lot of like theater plays and I'm not in you know the London area um so like Agnes is being played by Madeline Mantock um so um it's kind of cool to kind of just look through and 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 see the different Mm. the different roles and who's playing them um so like and then I'm and then I'm like oh yeah I'm looking at the names and I'm like I remember this this character in the book and I remember that character in the book. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do see somebody who plays Ned. I don't remember who Ned is. Uh, do you remember who Ned is? No, I don't remember him. Okay. Well, the play itself <laughs> is it's a two two and a half hour play and you know it, it's. I would probably, you know, if I had the ability, I would probably see it. I would be like, I read the book. It's like reading a book and then going to see the movie adaptation of it. Like, I would be very curious to see how how they adapt to, you know, certain scenes of that book. And that it's about Shakespeare, but it's not about Shakespeare. Yeah. And I think that's that's the one thing about the book that, that I really did like is that... I thought it was cool that we had this huge aspect of, you know, Agnes, who, you know, obviously is Anne Hathaway, but um, it wasn't, you know, we always hear it's always about Shakespeare, 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 yeah. Shakespeare. So to be able to have I think, a, that other side of it. Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree. I I've thought it was such a nice like, little twist on the whole Shakespeare story that we hear about the wife for once and the children. It would just give it like a different angle. Um, but I found with Maggie Farrell's stuff, a lot of her works are very kind of unique. So the new one, I bought one of hers um, a few months ago now, I haven't, haven't read yet, but it's actually won an award recently called The the Marriage Portrait, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, and that is about the Medici family. So, yeah, they, she likes going for, like, a bit of a twist on history as such. Yeah, the marriage portrait. Okay. Um, so, yeah, no, she does do very kind of unique twists on stories, kind of almost fic- historical fiction type. 
genre? Yeah, it's that. I mean, that's definitely kind of how I would I would structure it or define it as historical fiction because she did yeah. fictionalize some aspects of that oh, yeah. that are in Hamnet, but you can also tell that she spent a lot of time doing a lot of research. A lot of research. Um, Not hundred percent. Yeah, and that's what I, I appreciate that that aspect of uh, of authors. And I know we, you know, are really excited to have um, Jessica Gravu Glover back on the show in a little bit and to talk about her new book that's being released in another week. And the research aspect of that book is 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 pretty cool. And I just mm-hmm. I, I like I like books when it's about specific topics and you know that the author has spent time. Yeah. Like that, it's it's the the work has meant so much to them that they've spent time researching, making sure they have the information accurate, and then build the story with the the fidelity of the knowledge of the research in place. Oh yeah, I, no, hundred like percent. I mean, you can tell when when the writers got got a passion for a certain topic and that they've really researched it thoroughly because it just shines through. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, we'll talk about it in a bit about Jessica's new newest work, but that was clear. It was clear from reading it that she has a big kind of love of art, yeah. Um, which we'll talk about in a bit. But everything of Maggie's, especially Hamnet, was one of those pieces that you could tell that she is very interested in Shakespeare in those times because everything from the characters to the scene setting, it was really well done and really well executed in the book. It really, really so, was. So yeah, if I can do, I would definitely try and go and see that because that that could be quite a quite a good production. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be in London um, until <laughs> January six. It could be a very nice Christmas present. You know, <laughs> drop some hints on your new husband and say, "Hey, babe, <laughs> how about some theater tickets in my stocking this year?" What do exactly. you go for that? I will have to make. I'll make him listen to this. that's right then you can blame me um exactly (laughs) you know so that was some big news that that came about this past week the other thing that i'm sure a lot of people probably have heard about more than the, the the hamnet adaptation is the other adaptation that was just dropped on wednesday I, I feel now that I you know what day it actually came out. That was my son's birthday, so now I'm like, oh my gosh, happy birthday, son! Look what they're gonna give you. Um, he he does like Harry Potter, so it would have been okay. But they it has been re- announced that Warner Brothers is gonna be working with HBO Max, which I guess is dropping the HBO part and it's just gonna become Max. Um, they are really? yeah. That one of the articles I read when I was trying to find more information about the this Harry Potter thing. Um it's, it's talked about how it's it's gonna be it's it's a Max original is how it's being described. I know. Okay. Sure. Don't don't wanna you know <laughs> I'm not gonna break it to them, but Harry Potter's not original for them. It's yeah. No, okay. exactly. But whatever. But the point is, it was announced on April 12th that Warner Brothers is going to be working with HBO Max, soon to be just, I guess, Max, to create a new adaptation of the Harry Potter trilogy, or series, uh, but it's not going to be movies, it's going to be a TV series. So it's going, in the, it's expected to be a 10-year, it's a 10-year project, just kind of very similar to, like, the fact that the movies were 
uh, it was a 10 year project and, but they're going to like, obviously they're going to have to recast everybody. They can't bring Emma Watson, Daniel, you know, Radcliffe and Rupert Gint back and be like, Hey guys, we need you to take 15 years off your life so you can be these characters again. Um, that and so, half the cost of, also half the cost of dead now. Yeah, that's true. That's that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to like bring people down, Liz. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so new cast of characters. They're going to like revamp everything. And, you know, it's the, okay. So Harry, the Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows part two movie was released in theaters on July 15th, 2011. It has now only been not even quite 12 years since that movie was released. And we're already doing a remake. Yeah. And it talks about, oh, we're going to bring a whole new audience. What? We... You can turn on TV any weekend and on like at least one channel they're doing a Harry Potter marathon. Like especially at Christmas time they they've always got Harry Potter on at Christmas time. The last two weekends I've watched Harry Potter marathons on TV. <laughs> Different channels, <laughs> but like between USA Network, TNT, Sci-Fi Channel, like, you know, um like it's just it's still just so popular and yeah. You know, I mean, I'm excited. Don't get me wrong, because you know we're 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 both Harry Potter like fans. So I'll be. I, I want to get get your opinion on what you think. But I'm super excited about it. I do have my doubts because mm. about whether or not this would be good or not. I am glad that it's going to be turned into a series versus films because that will still allow mm. there to be some differences. But the thing I'm most excited about, and I want to know what you think about this, is. When the movies came out, there were some movies and some parts where it was very disappointing that they took things out of the book. Because you have to with screen time. With a TV series, you have more time, more screen time to work with. So I'm interested to see if some of those key moments that were taken out are going to now make an appearance in the TV series. What are your thoughts? Probably will. I mean, I, I've got my doubts as well because the problem with doing a remake of Harry Potter is, to me, the casting for the films was perfect. Each character I felt was so well cast, and I couldn't imagine anyone else playing it. I mean, can you imagine anyone else playing Snape than Alan Rickman? No. Can you imagine anyone else playing Hagrid than Robbie Coltrane? No. But exactly. So that's uh, that's my biggest kind of fear. And also because at the moment we seem to have a, a thing with gender swapping and swapping like various characters and changing them completely. So I think that is a, a concern if they suddenly, I don't know, make Hermione male <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Um, if they if they make huge changes like that, I don't think I'll watch it. Like. But here's the thing. J.K. Rowling is going to be an executive producer on on it. And she, like, even in the films, she was very, like, structured and strict as, as far mm-hmm. as, like, what they could and couldn't change and do. And she had to prove everything. I can't yeah. imagine her being okay 
with yeah. major, major changes when she wasn't in the past. And one of the things that are, that she stated in the in the articles that came out was the fact that it's going to how true to the story it's going to be. Okay. See, the thing is, what I would have loved more is I would have loved a TV series set in the Harry Potter universe. So, for example, um, I recently finished the video game that came out a few months ago, Hogwarts Legacy. Mm-hmm. Now, that was set um, in the past. So that was set about a few, like 100 or 200 years before Harry Potter. Um, but it had Hogwarts and you had kind of, mm-hmm. um, you had the Dumbledore family. You had, so you still had the old families because they've been around for generations. Because they're, 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 they're purebloods. So they've been there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was so fascinating, like seeing Hogwarts and seeing everywhere, like, Hogsmeade and things like that in the past um, and I would love to have a TV series set in the past mm-hmm. but in the Harry Potter world because you'd have that same nostalgic kind of oh my god it's Hogsmeade oh my god it's Hogwarts oh my god it's like a member of the Black family um, yeah. whereas now it's just going to be continually uh, compared to the films yeah so and the actors are going to be compared and and that's hard you know they're because they're going to be kid actors and now we're going to be like judging poor little kids on oh you're not as good as the original harry potter or the original hermione granger so exactly um it's going to be tough i mean look whoever gets the roles good luck to them Mm -hmm. obviously i'm going to read it because it's harry potter i'm going to watch it because it is harry potter but Mm -hmm. i would have preferred it like to have a different thing i think it's as you say it's just way too soon yeah. It's 12, not even 12 years, and we're getting a remake. It's just kind of, it's getting a bit crazy now. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, and I mean, also the poor kids, because as we both know from the audiobook of Tom Felton, we know what happened to him, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> During the filming. And I, I mean, any child stars, I mean, that that we've seen in the past, not even actors, but like Britney Spears. She had her complete meltdown, like, you know, because she got started as a teen and she struggled we see so much about the the pressures and the hardships and the aftermath of of teen of like the child actors so yeah so it's and we'll talk about beyond the one by tom felton next next month on our um on our process um so uh my internet is being wonky but i think i'm back okay good (laughs) so What's funny is my my Wi-Fi just kind of did a little boop, but I'm still recording because <laughs> like oh, I'm still it's not online, right? Oh, because yeah. it's not online, so it's just connected. So I'm sitting here going, so my Wi-Fi is out for a second, so we're gonna just let it go. And okay, we're back. All right. <laughs> just keep talking if that happens again. Don't worry. I'm glad it's nice that it's for once it's yours and not mine. It's great. I know. <laughs> Like, I saw you stop moving on the screen, and I'm like, what? And then it, all the little things popped up on my computer screen, and, you know, your your connection's unstable and trying to reconnect. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so what I was saying, I, don't, I, I was going to say, I don't know what you heard, because I don't know what point I cut out, but um, about the child stars, and that next next month when we do our, you know, we've always been planning to do our Harry Potter special next month. Uh, and and that's been on our calendar for a while. So we'll talk a little bit next month about more about this series. Uh, and, but then we'll also talk about Beyond the Wand by Tom Felton because we've both recently um, read that, and we'll, we can kind of throw that into the mix as well. So, yep. 
All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will come back. We'll get into some of, like, the we'll, – we'll see where, where Colleen Hoover stands on the um, New York Times bestseller list this week. So we will be right back. And welcome back. All right, so what I asked Liz to do, and I did the same, is just to pick a book that you've been reading or currently reading, talk about it. So what book did you choose? Uh, so I chose The Silence Project by Carol Haley. This is quite a, a new release. It's one that I was reading on NetGalley. And it, it's just really unique. It was really interesting because it's about this woman who um, is mother. So the, the narrator is the daughter. And it's all about the mother one day just decides to stop talking. Doesn't talk at all. Um, and it's all about... Uh, hip making sure that you hear more than you speak kind of thing hearing to really listen to people and it's all about kind of how this slowly turns into like a cult um of people who don't speak or don't speak very much because it's the whole making people yeah making people listen more to try and bring peace and everything but um it was really fascinating because it was it was written as like a a non-fictional memoir um so it was treated as if it was a real event and real people mm-hmm. where she spoke about these diaries that the mother had um had written whilst she wasn't speaking and um it was just and some of the things like because there's this massive event which is tears the family apart because they talk about kind of how it affects the daughter and how it affects the husband um but it's this one major event which is really shocking um that happens but then afterwards it also talks about the after effects of what what happens after this major event and how the group the cult like any cult really becomes kind of like a bad influence so it's yeah. they always start off with good intentions and they often kind of turn into a bit of a power hungry machine yeah um and some of the the programs and some of the kind of schemes that they get involved in is are actually pretty bad and pretty awful um but it was yeah really it's hard to really describe it but it was really interesting and it's just really kind of unique kind of take on on cults and on on the the, narr- uh, the on the narrative style, so I would definitely recommend it for anyone who's kind of interest interested in that kind of style of contemporary fiction. I guess you'd call it with yeah. a bit of dystopic fiction mixed in. That's really interesting, and it's funny because as you're talking, it's like I thought of three books just for the different topics. So like Colt, I recently read. I don't think you've read it yet. Have you read Little Eve by Katarina Ward? No, that was all about cults. I love Katarina okay. Ward, but that's probably I out of all the books I've read so far by her, that's the bottom. Um, yeah. But uh, it was still an interesting book, all about cults and and cult mm-hmm. mentality and things. Another book that I thought of, I read a couple years ago, it, and I can't remember who the author is. I'd have to look it up. But the book is called Vox V O X. Have you oh, read it? I read that one. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, where it's because it, it seen something. I don't know, Christina. but it, when you're talking about how they're not talking, made me yeah. immediately think of that because that in that book, the way that society is created is women can't talk but so much and they have to like wear like what was it they had to wear a watch and it counted how many words they spoke and uh yes yeah. and they had to like save their words up mm. to be able to speak yep. yeah christina Dolce. Uh, there you go and yeah. then uh, and that was also an interesting word and it really and i, and I don't mm. know if you saw this in that one when people stopped talking the power words can have, especially when you don't have words to give or when you have very few words to speak, like the the power and the importance of each word that you say, how how that becomes so, so important. Um, just, but, and then the other book I thought of, I don't know if you've read this one, have you read um, Devolution by Max Brooks? No, I haven't read that. Okay, well, it, it's about a, a, like, a Bigfoot attack. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but the reason that your that your your book made me think of that was because you said that the Silent Project was written kind of almost like a fake memoir, like based yeah. on as if it was is like a fake nonfiction. So it's presented yeah. as this is this is true. Well, that's how that book is, and it was so cool okay. um, because it was based on um, this small community. Um, at the base of Rainier Mountain, and um, pretty much after, like, a volcano or something, it forced the Sasquatch Bigfoot into this real, I mean, this is like a, like a Bill Gates kind of community. There was only, like, 12, (laughs) 12 homes, like, you know, nobody came, Amazon did their little drone grocery deposits and stuff. So really isolated, high-tech community. Yeah. But they were attacked by a Bigfoot group, family. And so when they finally got in, after the roads cleared from the volcano, there weren't any people. So the whole book is written or is, is based off of, like, uh, investigation, um, the, a journal that they okay. did find while they were, you know, going through it, yeah. um, interviews, like where it's like this was an actual event. Uh, and I think those those books, that structure is really kind of cool. It is. I mean, like this one, they they almost like treated you as if you were living there with them, kind of living in that time because they said things like, oh, but you, you probably knew that already or you may have seen this article um, when it first came out. So they get the treat you in like kind of casual, kind of friendly way, which is really interesting. Um, and they they also referred to real life events, like they talked about nine eleven and how after that the cult became a lot stronger because they were all about kind of oh this is proof why people should listen more, why why you should really listen harder to be, rather than talking more. Um, so it was nice because it kind of you had that familiarity with the real life events combined with the familiarity in the tone of voice and in the kind of in the language they used um but yeah it was it was really kind of just really unique um, kind of style that i really enjoyed and that i yeah i would definitely recommend just because it's it's so different from kind of your standard well standard anything (laughs) (laughs) so So you said you read it on netgalley so when does it actually get released 
Uh, I think it's out now, actually. I, yeah, I, I kind of fell behind with NetGalley, so some of my oh. NetGalleys have already been released. Um, <laughs> so this one is out now. Um, yeah, this was this one is out now. Okay. Um, and that is, um, yeah, The Silence Project by Carol Haley. Cool. My book I chose is one that I just started the audio for this week, um, and it's One of Us is Dead by Geneva Rose. And... Um, <laughs> It's so funny, some of the things I, 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 the reasons behind my decisions sometimes. Um, the reason I got this is because I am out of my Audible credits for another week. And I needed, I needed something because I, I finished my last one. And my, I had a credit, but, you know, again, I always go back to my teenagers. My teenager needed my credit for the book Just Mercy that he's reading for his AP English class. So I'm like, fine. I will give you my credit, <laughs> even though I need a new audio audiobook to listen to. However, <laughs> one of us is dead. Was at right right now is one of the free like included with your membership on Audible. Ooh. So I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of interesting. So I downloaded it and I'm listening to it, and I love it. I'm not super far into it, but it's it is like, and I never really watched the Real Housewives series on TV or whatever. Um. But that's basically how I envision this book. Like these these women live in like you know this like suburb of Atlanta, and they're all like power hungry, rich, stab everybody in the back kind of women to make myself better. And um, and then you have the like the little beauty salon at the center where the girl who owns it built it from scratch, was poor forever, but for some reason, mm-hmm. fate had it where one of these powerful women came came into her salon in a hair crisis and she saved the day so now she is like the hub of everything and um even though she's not really part of that society and this is amazing as a side note i love getting my hair done i find it very relaxing but I don't want to talk about my life and everything going on. I'm like, when I get my hair done, I feel like I want to be rude and be like, just don't talk to me because I'm going to close my eyes and I'm just going to relax and decompress because this is just so nice and relaxing. But I hear so much, and and I'm sure you have too, that people go and they like just tell their life story to their their hair people. (laughs) And so that's what these women do. They all have like memberships at this hair salon. So they, so poor Jenny knows everything that's going on and it's told in multiple points of view, which is great because then you can see just how catty and conniving and horrible these women are. And not that I'm saying that the that the okay. women on the Real Housewives of Atlanta or whatever show is on are horrible people. But at the same time, there's like there's that <laughs> I don't know, power and money just does things to people. Yeah. And so um I haven't gotten to the point where one of them is actually dead yet. Um <laughs> but what's happening is you're right now I'm at that point with all the different chapters being from the different characters you're really seeing who each character is and what their true perspective personality beliefs are so that when Mm. somebody dies I know I'm pretty sure I know who's gonna die and now it's like setting up kind of like possible motives 
on why is it the one that you wish was dead (laughs) i think well i think it's going to be the ostracized woman so one of the Mm um like this he's a congressman senator or whatever in the kind of like the midst of his re-election he had an affair out of nowhere divorced his wife and married this woman who's like 25 years younger than him and so she the ex-wife is now because she's the ex-wife is kind of the outcast now in the high society so i have a feeling the ex-wife is going to be the one that gets murdered but who murders her the new wife or some of these catty people that are in the circle the new wife is too predictable yeah i don't think it'll be the new wife yeah i know it's interesting because um, Geneva Rose is actually an author I've been following for a while. Have you got her on Instagram? She does some quite funny videos no. um, with, her, with her husband because she brought out before this, she brought out one called The Perfect Marriage. Um, that one is one I really want to read at some point. And, um, yeah, she loves doing kind of these little promotional videos on, on Instagram. They're quite funny. Huh, um, I'm going to yeah, follow she's, her. She's yeah, no, definitely. I mean, she's because I think the perfect marriage, yeah, is an Amazon number one best-selling author. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I have to keep us uh, in tune with what's what's going on to find out if you were right about who who's going to be dead. Because <laughs> I'm assuming it's only one. The title is "One of Us Is Dead," so I'm assuming it's just one. Um, and I'm yeah, also assuming that it's like legit dead and not like figuratively dead as in you're now the ex-wife so you're dead to us i literally think someone's yeah, going to and, dead, dead, yeah yeah and because there are these catty women and they i i really kind of hope that the murder is like she literally gets stabbed in the back like brutus uh or like julius caesar and brutus yeah so you know what? i kind of hope it's the it's the actual hairdresser who does it oh <laughs> i don't want her to be the one um and uh so, all right. So we're going to move on because um, Jessica's joining us and we're a little behind schedule. So <laughs> it's okay. Not super far behind. We had some, some minor technical difficulties earlier in the show. So, um, all right. So we'll move on to um, kind of where we are with uh, the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, just because it's fun. Not that it means anything, but it's fun right now because it looks like we have a girl fight going on on the top five list. Um, we talk every week, <laughs> we talk every week about Colleen Hoover's monopoly on the top five. And we're always predicting on when she's going to finally not have the monopoly. She doesn't have the monopoly this week. Yay. So, finally. How, yeah, I know, finally. It's been what, six, I'm pretty sure it's been about six or seven months since she didn't have the monopoly. Probably. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> But even though she doesn't have the Monopoly, she still has the number one and number two book this week. So, Mm. yeah, it starts with us and it ends with us, number one and number two in that order. Um, Number four and five, this is where the girl fight comes in. Number four and five is Taylor Jenkins Reid. Because she has Daisy Jones and the Six, which, by the way, was number one last week. And number five, I know, number five is Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which was a fantastic book too in the middle separating them keeping them in their corners is bonnie garmus with lessons in chemistry Woo. Wow. so that's our top five. i mean yeah daisy, daisy jones after all the the tv series came out a few weeks ago so i love seeing all of these kind of older novels mm-hmm. 
go up to um, reach the, the higher spots after it's been released years ago. I think Holly's internet has dropped again. I don't have I don't have any warnings on my screen. Jessica, am I okay on your screen? Yes. Okay. Liz, I think it's I think it's a Liz problem today or on this time. (laughs) But it's it's fine on my screen. Well, it's it's gotta it's gotta be something on your screen because I still hear you fine and you're still good. So you just keep you just keep doing you, girl. All right. Okay. Good. So you tell us about what's coming up. What's what's going to be released soon? Okay, we've got a nice easy one because they are all coming out on the same date. And also for US and UK. So everything is coming out on 25th of April. Uh, so in only 10 days time from the date that we're recording this. And that is uh, Happy Place by Emily Henry, which just so happens to be our next book club pick. Uh-huh. Uh, in the Lives of Puppets by TJ Klein, which is... Um, Another one by the author of one of our favourite books of 2021, which was House and Cerulean Sea. Uh, Ollie was trying to remember that. I don't do good with numbers. Uh, you guys know this. And, of course, uh, also coming out on 25th of April is Stars Like Gasoline. Uh, of course, by our Jessica. So that is it for all of our new and upcoming releases. Um, we will be back shortly after this break. Uh, when we will be speaking to Jessica. All right, we'll be right back. And welcome back. We kind of hinted at the beginning of the show, um, but we are so excited to have our first reappearance of a past guest author on our show. We are joined today by Jessica Gravu Glover. Hi, Jessica. Hello. Hi, Jessica. Hello. <laughs> Um, we are also super excited because we're going to talk a lot about your upcoming new release that will be released on April 25th, Stars Like Gasoline. Um, so, you know, it's been, before we talk about the, that, the book though, so it's been about a year, almost a year and a half-ish since we last had you on the show. So just kind of fill us in on what this last year or so has been has been for you what have you been doing obviously you've been working on stars like gasoline but tell us a little bit about what's been going on uh so i've had the release of beast because i think i was on just before the release which was in uh november of 2021 and then march of last year i released uh abrading of darkness which is the second book in the beast series um, which I like better, by the way. I don't know, just as an aside. <laughs> it's kind of like my favorite um, in the series. Um, and Stars Like Gasoline was actually written um, and finished while I was querying Another Beast Skin. So it's actually, uh, I finished it in 2020. So it's actually just, it kept going through revisions and revisions. And um, I did like sensitivity reads and things like that. But it was finally this year that I decided to release it. Um, And apart from that, um, I am working on a new like super secret project. And, Mm. uh, and I'm currently querying um, an adult like dark academia. So um, a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's been a busy, busy year. That's awesome. Wow. So, I mean, and also you were recently over my side of the of the world in England, weren't you? Quite recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been three times in the last year, and then I'll be again, be back again in June. 
because um, well, my, my husband's English, so we do get yeah. back often, and um, and my daughter is now at uni there. So um, I dropped her off in September, and then I went back um, to help her take care of something in February. So yeah, I've <laughs> been traveling quite a bit. Lucky at those Emma's. So are you yep. going out in? Are you going out in June to bring her home, or are you just going out to visit? Is she planning on staying like over the summers? She's um. I think in the future she will. This summer she is coming home. Um, she actually has a whole month of April off, so she's just been hanging out with um, her best friend and then my mother-in-law and just family. But um, we're going to Barcelona in oh. June, and then we're popping back over and then visiting her and helping her pack up, and then uh, yeah, and then she's coming home with us. So. Uh, how? So <laughs> as, as a side note, before we get any deeper into books talk. Um, how has it been having your daughter? Because she was this is her first year, right? This was her first year Correct. in college. How yeah. how has that been as a mother? Because I'm going to be going through that in about a year of sending my first off. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's been, and we're really close too. Mm-hmm. And obviously with COVID, she was home. She did a homeschool program anyway through our district, and um, so she was actually home before that. And then with COVID, I had both kids home, so the house is a lot emptier without her there um so me working from home she's working from home everybody was home and now all of a sudden it's like (laughs) my life is gone um but she is thriving there and having she's met the most amazing group of friends and just her independence is something that i can be so proud of and so that makes it so much easier and I'm, I've never been one of the parents who's like, oh, I want my kids to stay close and go to college close here. Mm-hmm. I really, like, believe that they need to, like, set out and mm-hmm. see the world and live somewhere different. And, I mean, not that that's so different because, I mean, my husband and I have been married for 23 years. So for 25 years, I've spent half of my life in the U.K. And so my kids are both citizens. And so it's not like it's a whole new world. But she, you know, she hasn't lived full time there until now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to just experience that. Yeah. You know, spread your wings. Yeah, absolutely. I know my kid doesn't want to go to another continent, but he definitely wants to go to a different state. So, um, yeah. So we'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. Back to the books. Let's talk. Let's talk about stars like gasoline. Give us um, and and the listeners just kind of that brief synopsis, that ble- brief little blurb that, and then we'll kind of ask you some specific questions. Okay. Uh, Celia is an art curator who returns home to uh, her Florida, seaside Florida hometown and purchases the house of her brother's late fiance's mother. And the house is haunted by two ghosts. And in it, she finds a journal from the late 1980s, which may have a clue as to why she is being haunted and why there is a very real human stalker after her. Uh, it involves a French artist, a missing Japanese painter, and a Dutch aerospace heiress, and the chaos that ensues. So, All right. I will say I'm only 25% of the way through it because life is crazy. Um, yes. So I've, I've only been introduced at the 25 so I'm a quarter of the way through. I've only been introduced to a couple of those things. Um, but some of them have been hinted at, especially like the <laughs> Japanese artist, um, the stalker, obviously the ghosts, um, and the haunting. Um, so yeah, 
All right, Liz, what do you got for her? Because <laughs> I have a lot of questions, so I could go all day. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your initial inspiration behind Stars Like Gasoline? Um, it takes place in Vero Beach, Florida, and that is where my mom has lived for a, a, a very long time. Now, I'm, I'm from Florida, I'm from South Florida, but um, my mom's lived in Vero for a while, and I do love it there. And Oscar, honestly, who is one of my main characters, Celia and Oscar's her brother, um, he woke me up in the middle of the night about one o'clock in the morning, and it was like a toddler tapping on my head, and <laughs> kind of told me his story, and I had to write it. And I... I started it, I think it was January of tw- January of 2020, I think. And then, obviously, you know, that 2020 was a chaotic year. And so I finished writing it um, after we returned home from a cross-country trip to uh, Vero Beach, actually. So it just the inspiration was Oscar. And then Celia mm. just kind of came along for the ride at first. And then mm. I took on her voice Um it just felt like it needed to be her voice um, in the like the bulk of the POV. So that's kind of, yeah, it, it, it flowed really naturally, that the story somehow. Okay, wow. I do love that it's in, it, that it's in Florida because I, I think the, the weather, like the Florida weather does play a role in, in the book. Mm-hmm. And I know we, we've, we've talked about you being from Florida and because you went to um, – Sadly, you went to the <laughs> University of Miami. <laughs> yeah, been there, had those conversations. Go Hokies. Um, so I, I, I really did think that the, the, the setting was, was really cool because of, of the, the beach being right there and, and just how wonderful a beach can be when you're in, in the poolside and being outside in that atmosphere, but also kind of how scary it can be mm-hmm. um, when it gets dark and when it gets stormy. Um, yeah. My my biggest thing that I kind of want to hear about is um, you said Celia is a museum curator, and how you present her in her career and how she's going through and kind of inventorying this new exhibit they've been mysteriously gifted and preparing for the gala what what was your inspiration or why your fascination whatever whatever great adjective you want to throw to it um you're interested in art and why why art and what was your your research process how much research did you have to do like just kind of walk us through why a museum curator and what you went through to, to, to bring her to life on the page. Okay. Um, I love art and I mean, that sounds so trite, but I really do. And my husband and I are both artists and we're, I mean, we're not extravagant people, but we love art and we kind of like amassed a, not, not like a, Ooh, like, you know, expensive collection, but like pieces that we pick up when we're traveling or stuff like that. And it's just, um, I really feel that, it, just like a good book or a journal or a piece of music, uh, uh, if you find a piece of artwork that resonates with you, the feeling that that evokes is always going to be there. And it's a visual rest- representation. So like when I walk by, I'm kind of looking at the piece in my bedroom. Um, when I walk by some of these uh, paintings or jeepers or whatever we have every day, it then 
evokes that feeling that I had when we first found it or of the trip that we went on or a conversation that was had. And I just feel like artwork can bring to life memories. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I adore art. So when it came time to giving Celia a job, I wanted something that first of all, had to be grounded where she was. It had to be something that she would be basically kind of headhunted from where she was. She worked um, at a museum in Boston and because she had gone to Boston College, so that's her backstory. And it needed to pull her back in and then ground her in Vero. It couldn't just be like, well, she's an accountant or something like that you can do anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it needed to give her an excuse to go back home where she needed to be with her brother. Um, and it was obviously a huge... It, it is a huge plot point in the book or it is like the major plot point in the book is all the art and the histories that surround the art and the characters. Um, and that's where it came from. And the, the museum is actually a real place, you know, the Vera beach museum of art. Um, and I, it's a really cool place. And my kids have always loved going there and it's smack in the middle of Riverside park, which is this huge park, and it's attached to Veterans Memorial Island and then Riverside Cafe, which is in the book as well, is there. <laughs> um, and oh. it's just like the location. And it's all covered in Spanish moss and it has that oh. Southern Gothic feel to it. And it was a natural setting <laughs> for the book. Uh, I think definitely your passion for art came through so strongly in the book because it every kind of description that you did about the pieces of art about the sculptures it was so vivid that you could just so easily imagine it and there are we obviously we've talked about this already um away from the podcast but those pieces of sculpt those sculptures and pieces of art just sound amazing <laughs> they're sort of ones that you just like read about and you're like oh i wish i had that piece <laughs> i think because i can't paint like that i, I and, and I can write. I thought, well, I can write the piece in my head and visualize it. <laughs> it's there somewhere. <laughs> but my yes. dream would be to have somebody, like, like to commission somebody to make these pieces. That would be amazing. Oh, that, that would be amazing. That right? would be so amazing. Yeah. Some of those pieces were just uh, absolutely stunning in my head, the way I imagined it. Um, it your book actually does remind, remind me, um, very similar. I don't know if you've heard or read a book called The Color Storm no. by Damien Dibbon. So it's set in Italy and it's all about kind of um, these painters who are searching for the perfect colour. It was back in the day where they had like powder paints. They had to find different materials and different stones to create the colours. But the way that they describe colours and art um, is very similar to kind of it reminded me of your book because of it had so much kind of passion in it. And it was so vivid the way that they described the colours and the art um, in that book. Oh, I'll have to um, look that up. That sounds amazing. It's a really good book. Um, I mean, were there any particular um, particular artists or any particular artwork that inspired um, any of your pieces that you discussed in the book? Um, I have. I actually did an Instagram post about this the other day. Um, I have some pieces by Cozy and Dan, um, who are husband and wife um, are artist team, and they do... Um, like kind of Japanese inspired artwork and it's super whimsical. Like it has like uh, four seasons, but instead of cherry blossoms dripping down, it's actually bunnies. Um, And you know, the whimsy in that kind of bled into my ideas. And then um, I just have random pieces in my house that are are kind of crazy, like this huge sea monster that it's attacking the old Brighton pier and it's an attack. And it's this massive piece, like 
four by five canvas that's in my wow. son's room and it used to hang over his crib and then we moved it to the other side of the room um, but it's just it's such a cool piece and I think just um, I like to be a little bit fearless in my writing and I like to be a little bit fearless in my artwork and and fashion and you know all the things that I, I love in my life even the chocolate that I make you know I don't want to be beholden to standards you know yeah. air quotes and um and so i think these pieces have kind of bled into my uh, subconscious when i was creating not that there are any similarities per se of the pieces that i wrote in the book because they're all made up artists and made up pieces however just the whimsy and the fearlessness of them is what i wanted to uh invoke in the feeling or, or the conception of the pieces i suppose so we definitely want to come see your house at some point <laughs> yeah like so i'm just adding it to my list i need to go visit you next time i go to california yep. to get mince pie <laughs> to see your artwork exactly. <laughs> to talk about parenting college-age kids <laughs> all of those things <laughs> um so you have always developed pretty strong characters like these these people how you present your characters on the page even in in um beast it they they clearly take residence in your head um and you you clearly know who they are and are a part of you because their development is very is very clear their personalities are very distinct from each other so looking at this one you have you've already talked about celia and oscar brother and sister but then you have some of those other side characters like you have sarah who at first i liked and now i don't um <laughs> and, and and adrian who you know i knew from from reading the blurb and and everything that i had learned about the book prior to it that there was um a, like there's a stalker and again i'm only 25 percent of the way on way through so i <laughs> I don't really have a lot of spoilers that I can give because I'm not through the book yet. But I will say that there have been points where I felt that Adrian could be a soccer. Um, be you know just because he it's that or he's obsessed with Celia, um, <laughs> one or the other because he he always happens to be there. He's always kind of like I, I, you know sometimes I just think that he's just a little too touchy-feely with her or like too interested in what's happening he knows something he's the stalker he's obsessed whatever um so for me right now at the quarter point he's kind of this uh, enigma almost where i'm not quite haven't like solidified his character yet um which i love i love having that character where it's like i can't i can't quite figure him out yet uh and then you have um jacob who's this random almost boy toy kind of kind of character at this at, at this point um and for the for the most part those those seem to be the five major players right now so out of those five characters obviously you've already mentioned that Oscar's the one who kind of woke you up and was the the catalyst for starting the story but when it comes to really developing the characters um I don't know. Just talk talk to us about the characters. Was there a character that you struggled with? Was there a character who came about, you know, whether it was Oscar or not, that was just like, this is the, this is 
a real person in my mind who just is going to live in my head forever. Um, did a character change as you were writing? So tell us a little bit about your character development. Um, all the characters have kind of just taken up residency in my mind. Oscar, I, um, I could never separate him from reality. <laughs> like, and it, like, he's so real to me. And, um, he, he made me cry a couple times writing this, but there are a couple scenes that you're not there yet, but there are okay. a couple scenes that I, I, I actually was like stomping around trying to like get my head on straight. Cause it just, I was in his head so much or he was in my head, but I was in his head, you know how that works. Um, and I just, I couldn't get that, just that horrible sinking grief out of myself for like days. It like put me in a stupor. Um, so I think Oscar is who I connected with the most probably out of any character I've ever written. Mm. I love Oscar the most. Um, and um, my my critique partner and one of my best friends, Becca, she she loved Oscar too, and she read the book. I asked her for help on a pitch for like, like PitMed on Twitter, and she's like, can I read the book? <laughs> <laughs> so I sent it to her, and it, it really wasn't ready yet, but she still loved it, and she loved Oscar, and so when it, her birthday last year, I sent her a letter, or I sent her three different letters and three different envelopes written. <laughs> one was from Oscar, one was from um, Arik, who is introduced in A Braiding of Darkness, and then another character in um, My Dark Academia that nobody's read yet, but Becca, but <laughs> <laughs> um, because those are the three characters that she loved the most, and I feel like they're just ones that I could really just zero in on their personalities. Um, and Celia is so not like me so she was a lot of fun to write um to really kind of get into her head and her motivation and um where she was was um you know it was a challenge but it was it was it was a lot of fun to write her and um you know jacob was just kind of like i always kind of like did that like jacob when i wrote him so (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and I loved writing Emil's character too. So awesome! Yeah. I mean, we we did touch on this briefly um, at the beginning. It's very clear from pretty much um, the the start of the book, and obviously Holly will agree that this has a completely different style and tone to your previous two novels. It's it is like it's, it's written by a different person. It's so <laughs> so different. Um, how did you find jumping from YA to to stars like Gasoline with style and tone? Did you find it kind of difficult changing style um, styles? Um, so I, I, just as an aside, I, I don't consider Another Beast Skin YA. I definitely consider it adult. It's like more adult um, issues that we deal with. Um, but because it's fantasy, it kind of gets lobbed in with it. Um, and also... Um, Another Beast Skin was, I think, because it was my first novel that I, I wrote like seriously. Um, I, I think that I've just matured a lot since then, and and I and I think that shows with A Braiding of Darkness too. When you read the second book, and I was also ready to take more risks, and I knew that I could do it at that point because I wasn't like, oh, my publisher might not like this, oh, someone might not like this, and so I held back a lot that I shouldn't have, um, which is. Something I should have known, honestly. Every every time in life, I haven't trusted like my instincts. <laughs> Things go awry. So, um, but with stars like Gasoline, I feel like the writing came really naturally to me. 
Um, and I didn't really have a problem jumping between the two because I felt like I was writing the Beast series simultaneously, the, the whole series, as I was writing um, Stress of Gasoline. So um, it, it was just kind of making a conscious shift. Okay, this is where I need to go right now, you know, and, and it's taking the time to move into that headspace. Um, but it wasn't something that I found difficult to do, the, the shift. It was just um, a conscious decision, I think, that I needed to do. Yeah. I love it. Um, like, I want to ask you so many questions, but I just also want to just go over and read the book. Because <laughs> I, I don't want anything to be spoiled for me. Um, so, all right. Can you, so you, you're working on a dark academia, and you're also working on a top secret project. Two different things, or Correct. is it the same thing? Two different. The the dark academia, um, that's it's being queried. So I mean, that's kind of it. It's been sent out. <laughs> um, that's written. It's done. And honestly, I'm thinking about this yesterday because um, I was kind of daydreaming about what a book cover would look like. That's you know what writers do apparently, or at least that's what I do. And and I thought about how much I love this book and again you're probably going to read that and say holy smokes that is so different again it's a different <laughs> tone it's a different everything and you know what that's me <laughs> and um I just kind of like to show I, I mean I, I'm a, I consider myself a multi-genre author and um even with Beast my goal was to make it more of a literary tone I just had to be dialed back mm-hmm. um but I like to have that, the little literary nuances, um, and that, and not that Stars Like Gasoline is that, but you can see in, I, I think, in the, the lyrical, um, the lyrical tone of it, that that's where my, uh, my, not, not necessarily my inspiration, but I feel like that's where, like, my writing mojo kind of flows, that I, mm-hmm. that don't ever know if, I don't know if I've used the word mojo before. So, First time for everything. I expect to see it in the next book you write. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just it, yeah. I feel like this next book is it, it's something that I'm really looking forward to people getting a hold of. Um, and then the secret project, I think I'm going to write under a pen name. So Ooh, <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Oh, so can you drop us any hints about the Dark Academia? Like what country it's set in, or any it kind is, of? Yeah, it's set um, mostly in Oxford, in England. And okay. also in Turkey and a bit of Romania, but you kind of, it just kind of glosses over that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's mainly Oxford and a bit of, of Turkey because it deals yeah. with, um, it's called the death and resurrection of Mira Townsend. Oh. So oh. if everything goes according to plan with that one, when do you think that one will be released? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it also depends on if, it's picked up by an agent and then that that could be five years from now who knows because right. then the agent obviously has to do their magic and then right. sends it out on, on submission so um it could be years from now or i could go with a smaller um like a smaller publishing house which i'm not opposed to either because there are some that i absolutely adore and then that would probably be a sooner release right then um i dropped my airpods and <laughs> 
Oop, here we are. <laughs> we can <laughs> still hear you, so that's all right. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I, I honestly haven't even considered putting that out myself. Stars Like Gasoline is such a passion project that mm-hmm. with what I've been through with my Beast series um, the past few years, I just wanted to have something for myself. But, <laughs> but I just wanted kind of full control with Stars Like Gasoline and see, see where we went. I, yeah. I, I wanted control of everything from I mean the cover is actually on Beast I, I, that was me as well but from the cover to you know exactly the way it was formatted and things like that and you'll see in the paperback of Stars Like Gasoline it's so beautiful my editor was also my formatter and she just did these full page bleeds and then there's little graphics for the different POV characters it's just it's a gorgeous gorgeous book so Aww. but I wanted full control and so it was a passion project and that's that's where we are I mean, yeah, I think one thing we do need to talk about is the cover art, because as you say, the cover to Stars Like Gasoline is is stunning. It's so different and so unique. Um, What's your inspiration behind it? Where did you come up with the idea? I I work with Niblart. They are a a book cover design company, and they did all of my Beast books, too. And every time I've given them just like with Beast, I I did the most rudimentary, horrible sketch, and they brought it to life. And with Stars Like Gasoline, I I want a frame, and I want it to be filled with water. No, the water needs to be darker. Still, still needs to be darker. And I just kept throwing it back at them, and they were so gracious yeah. about it. I'm like, well, I think the frame needs to be a little bit more ornate and look like it's popping off the page, which it does in real life. Yeah. And I said, let's put some palms in the background, but they need to be dark and kind of mysterious palms. Like, what's a mysterious palm? I don't know, but you got to make it happen. <laughs> and then I want it to look like something, like the water is just coming, bleeding out of the frame. And I'm like, no, that looks more like a shower. I want it to look more like a, it's a leaky window and a rainstorm. And they're probably like, oh, this woman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then can you throw some paper cranes in there? Ooh, that's too many. No, let's just do a regular crane. Okay, all right, let's do that. Yeah. And they did it. And then literally the last minute they threw it back. The background was black. And I said, um, so please don't hate me, but it needs to be pink. <laughs> and they they probably do hate me but they did it and it's perfect I was like yeah <laughs> so yeah no I think it definitely kind of sums up the book and it's like with the whole use of colour you've got the art aspect in there so I think it definitely kind of sums up really well and as I've already said one of the things the biggest things that stands out for me are those final lines of the book absolutely love them and Holly you are in hang on let me um, scroll page. to the last page <laughs> <laughs> the last like the last few lines are just so beautiful and there's so many bits in there that kind of you have to stop for a minute and take it in like some of the quotes as you say the lyrical nature really kind of comes through very strongly um yeah. and yeah i'm very excited to kind of to see what other people think and to to see it out in the out in the wide world um thank you so, we will definitely be cheering you along on Instagram. <laughs> Absolutely. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, ha- we'll have our uh, publication day posts ready to go um, on the 25th. Um, one of my last questions is, I'm also a big fan of, of the Beast, your Beast series. So when, because you have, you have the first two out, so what <laughs> is your plan for number three? So currently... I am getting the rights back to my third book. And so it's basically once that happens, uh, then I will be, I have the cover already for it. Mm-hmm. 
and the book is ready to go into developmental edits. So it's done. It's ready to go. It's just, it's waiting for that. And then as soon as I have my rights back to that, um, which should be soon, then it will go to my editor who promised me she can fit me in at some point because I never want to work with anybody but Anna Corbeau again because she's amazing. <laughs> so it's like my professional love affair with Anna Corbeau. But, um, but yeah, so it's ready to go into an editor's hands and be fine-tuned and brought to life. I'm hoping maybe by the end of the year. Fantastic. And if not early 2024. All so, right. I think so. That's likely to be the next one we see. We see after this one, probably. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's it's really just ready to go into editing, yeah. and the cover's there. So yeah. How many books do you have planned for that series? Currently, there's the three written. Okay. However, there's one character. I love it when authors <laughs> say however. <laughs> however. Um, and that's what I had initially signed with my publisher is just the three book series. But there's a character who's introduced in the second book. And um, I can't tell you who it is because it'll ruin it. And I kept trying to kill him. And he just died. You know, in like Austin Powers, he's like, why won't you die? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was me with this character. And I was like, no, I love him. He's such a puppy dog. He's like, he just, <laughs> I really liked it. In fact, he had a different name when I first introduced him, and I hated the name. And I was like, no, because I like this character, so I need to give him a name that I like. Um, it might have been easier to kill him if you'd left him with a bad name. This is absolutely 100% true. But I just, you know, he he became um, my pet, and that's your only hint that you're going to get. But in, so in the, in the third book, I knew that his character needed his own airtime, and he needed his own story because it, it only started to be flushed out in the third book. And so I have, I think it's about 20,000 words written on a potential fourth book for him that surrounds everything else. And it actually takes place in the human world. Oh. But still meant to see. That's a lot of words to have written for a potential story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing you're going, like... My work in progress has been a work in progress since, like, November has 14,000 words. And I'm like, oh, my God, everybody, I'm, like, 12% of the way done with my book. And you're like, I got, like, 20,000 words on on something that's potential. To be fair, though, it is easier on a series because I do have a handle on some of the characters and some of the plot points that have been introduced. So it's really just expounding on those uh, on those threads. So mm-hmm. I, I, sequels are in sequels and beyond are harder in some aspects because sometimes they suck, and <laughs> sometimes you're really just beating a horse that needs to die, mm-hmm. or you know a character that needs to die. But <laughs> but then you just change their name and it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fantasy. We have necromancers. It's fine. Exactly. No big deal. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, it sounds like you have like a billion things in the works and so, so excited to read them. Um, alright, so it is time for our beloved either or speed round. I don't even remember what our topic was last time, um, you were on the show, but we, we created an, an fantasy one. Oh, probably was. Uh, but we created an art one today. So it's all about art. Ten art questions. All right, Liz. Uh-oh. 
Okay, so if we go Jessica and then Holly and huh? then me. Uh, so yeah, same as, as always, uh, no explanations, Holly, uh, just the answer. So are you both ready? Yes. yes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sculptures or paintings? Paintings. 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 Paint or pastels? Paint. 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 Uh, acrylic paint or watercolours? I'm going to go with acrylic. I'm totally acrylic. See that painting right there? That's acrylic paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go acrylic as well. Uh, fantasy or paranormal? <gasps> what? You can't do this. <laughs> I said the same thing when I saw that she typed that one. I'm like, that's... <laughs> Cruel, Liz. Cruel. <laughs> yeah. Paranormal. Mm. Um. Fantasy. Yeah, that's good. Fantasy. Uh, Faye or ghosts? What? <laughs> so mean. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> ghosts. It's my favorite word. So. <laughs> well, I'm going with ghosts because I said fantasy, and now I'm saying ghosts so I can get the blend that I wanted. <laughs> I'm just gonna be different, go Faye then. <laughs> uh, this is this is like really mean. mean this is the one worst one. You thought the other two were mean, Jessica? Just wait. This one's horrible. <laughs> um, a world without art or a world without music? I'm gonna cheat. And say a world without music because music is art. Uh oh. <laughs> you know, it that was so funny because when I first read that, <laughs> I was gonna tell I was gonna tell Liz music is a form of art, but I wasn't going to <laughs> because I'm cheating too, and I'm going with music. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get music as well. <laughs> uh, okay, so on to Holly's ones: abstract or concrete art? Abstract. 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 Da Vinci or Van Gogh? Van Gogh. Van Gogh. I'm going to get Da Vinci. Hmm. Uh, Rembrandt or Monet? Or uh, Rembrandt. Hmm, I'm going to go Monet. Yeah, I'm going to go Monet. Uh, and finally, classical or modern art? Modern. Modern. I had to get classical. Oh, you had to be different on the uh, last yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. It's, it's funny because my son is obsessed with either or or would you rather. So every day we get hundreds of would you rather. And like sometimes my husband comes home and he's like, I cannot do controversial would you rather at the dinner table tonight. Please. And Phineas was like, but I were like, no, just, just, just stop. Just Maybe you should give him the either or. (laughs) Either you ask us either ors, or you lose every piece of technology you own. (laughs) This is a good Luna Shack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gracious. Um, well, Jessica, it is always a blast to have you on the show. Um, you are welcome to come on before every release. You are so fun to have on the show. Um, your new book, Stars Like Gasoline, will be released um, uh, this 
drops on Monday, so next week on Tuesday, April 25th, your book is available. It is going to be available on Kindle, and there is paperback um, as well. So please check it out. It is a fantastic book. Uh, it's it it'll it'll hook you from the very very beginning. I I promise it's it's definitely yeah. worth the read. So 100%. check out stars like gasoline. Um, uh, Jessica, tell everybody where they can kind of follow you, get updates on your work, all of that good stuff. Um, I'm on Instagram probably the most Jessica Grip Glover, and on Twitter I'm Jessica Mittens. Jessica's with a K. And I do have a Facebook page that's pretty much just kind of like a holdover of my Instagram page. And I'm on TikTok reluctantly, and I try, but, you know, I'm 44. Um, <laughs> and um, I do have a website, but it's under construction now. And my books, uh, first two books in the Beast series, are available wherever books are sold, including for Barnes & Noble in the Los Angeles area. And Stars Like Gasoline is currently uh, available for pre-order on both Kindle and paperback. Um, so in Barnes & Noble. And I'm looking at um, a, an author event at Barnes & Noble very soon. So I'll have details of that coming. And so if you're in the L.A. area or, you know, want to take a drive from, say, Arizona, um, I'll <laughs> be there. I would love <laughs> yeah, to. I, I, well, okay. Speaking of that, I believe, I don't know if it was last year you had a Barnes and Noble event. I'm pretty sure. Was it? Was it? And did you have one in May? It was in June. Okay. But I think you were out of town. Yeah, think? there was like there a, was something that I'm like, yes, I'm going to go. And then it's like, no, I'm not going to go. <laughs> so yeah. yes, but yeah, it's it's an easy easy drive for me. Um, we we go out there frequently. Um, we're big, I mean, we've, we've we're got, big Disney fans. We've got to start getting you some book events over here if you're coming over here, lots. That's actually what I would love to do, and I I tried to actually do that when I was headed out in February. I contacted um, Waterstones in Exeter, and then there's another really cool bookshop that I love, um, the book book bag, the book bag, um, and it's just a really cool small indie bookshop, and I would love to do yeah. more of those. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of all over the place because my mother-in-law is in Sussex, so we're tooling around there. Okay. We're going to be in London. We're in Exeter. So yeah, you know, kind of have everywhere covered in the South. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And I will start because there was the Tucson Book Festival and then there was this Mesa Book Crawl. So as I hear of things yeah. that are happening in our area, <laughs> I'll be sure to let you know because I would love for yes, you to come please. out and be part of them. Absolutely. So. And like you said, I don't, I've, I mean, I've driven cross country so many times on my own, so I do not mind, you know, six hours into Arizona. It's not a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> awesome. All right, Liz, where can we find you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at uh, Lizzie, Lizzie's Little Book Nook. Uh, also, my website is lizzieslittlebooknook.co.uk. And Holly, where can we find you? I'm on Instagram at azdesertbookworm, and my website is www.azdesertbookworm.com. Um, and Jessica, I believe you have a newsletter too. Can they? Where can people sign up for your newsletter? Uh, well, technically, uh, on my website that's under construction, so <laughs> that will be up soon. Okay, but sorry. But you can, I can add you manually if you um, just DM me on Instagram. It's probably the easiest, and um, and then I can add you manually. But yeah. And I, I, I put a lot of playlists and stuff like that, a lot of music and um, stuff like that in my newsletter. 
Yeah, your newsletters are fun to read, so I highly encourage people to sign up for your newsletter. And we'll get all the information on all your upcoming books. So, final note, please, please, please check out Stars Like Gasoline, which hits the, hits the shelves on April 25th. And, of course, be on the lookout if you, you know for um, new books coming out from Jessica in the future. And if you haven't read any of her Another Beast Skins books, she has two of them out, Another Beast Skin and Braiding of Darkness. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. And we will be back next month for our May episode. It's one that I've been wanting to do probably since we started this <laughs> podcast almost two years ago. We are doing finally the wizarding world of Harry Potter. And Woo-hoo. there's been a lot of Harry Potter news lately. Um, so super excited to dive into it and um, have some great debates with Liz on which books are actually the best out of the series. Um, but we tend I to have the same. <laughs> <laughs> you can totally give us your two cents. I'll put something out on Instagram and have people tell us what theirs are so that we can debate okay. those. <laughs> so we can be judgy, judgy to people who aren't on the show and can't defend themselves. <laughs> okay. But until then, um, everybody have a great month. Get stars like gasoline and we'll be back uh, May 22nd for our Harry Potter special edition. Until then, read some good books. Happy reading. Happy reading.